RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about uh, efforts to counter an increasing recent trend of illegal immigrants arriving in the territory. More than 100 nationals from uh, South Asia have been arrested on suspicion of illegally entering Hong Kong in the past two weeks. The latest case involves uh, four men apprehended yesterday morning at uh, Tai O on Lantau. They're thought to have arrived by speedboats. Other groups have reportedly been found abandoned on remote islands. Many South Asians smuggled into the territory apply for asylum, but some have been found to seek illegal employment while their applications are being processed. NGOs have called on the Immigration Department to relax employment restrictions for asylum claimants, but critics argue that this could increase the number, aiming to enter without the right documentation and have a negative impact on the local job market. How do these uh, illegal networks operate and why do would-be migrants choose Hong Kong. After 9.45, we'll learn more about uh, relief efforts in Nepal following the recent earthquake, uh, which killed more than 150 people and destroyed that much infrastructure. If you want to be involved, you can let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Joining us now on the line, we have uh, Steve Vickers, CEO of Steve Vickers and Associates. Uh, SVA is a specialist political and corporate risk consultancy. And also Chelsea Churn, uh, associate and public interest solicitor at the law firm Daily and Associates, who specialises in immigration law. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps Steve Vickers, uh, we could start with you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks very much for, for joining us. Uh, um, so um, how can we explain the recent upsurge in the number of uh, uh, illegal or undocumented people uh, trying to enter Hong Kong? Yeah, I, I think this has been going on a little longer than we think. Um, uh, just anecdotally, I, by chance, I happen to live on Lantau Island. Uh, and there has been for the last couple of months um, a number of reported burglaries some reported, some not reported. Uh, in many of these cases, allegations have been made that the people involved are from South Asia as opposed to uh, local people. So I think this has been going on perhaps since June or July um, when the, the, the Chinese government opened up um, made, or made it much easier uh, for people from South Asia to get visas uh, to the mainland. So we've had a uh, what's the word? I won't say a flood, but certainly a, um, a a lot of people coming out coming our way. It would appear again historically. I mean, over the years, I, I ran the intelligence bureau bureau when I before the handover, um, and these kind of problems have happened in waves. Uh, it's not unusual. It's it, it's a little disconcerting that it's happened again. Level of organisation doesn't seem as efficient as the, as the old Chinese ones in that they appear to have been dumping people as far away as Po Toy Island. Mm. Uh, the one at the weekend was that we noticed they used Fan Lao Fort as a grouping area, yeah. and they appear <clears throat> to hang out at night um, in the bushes and, and hopefully sneak out of the country parks or out of the, uh, out of the restricted area on Lantau 
um, in daylight. Mm. So it's been, I think this has been going on a bit longer than is than is visited, and the, the statistics we've been given are, are true, but they are rearview mirror statistics. Yeah, uh, I, I see, but but certainly uh, in this period, in, in recent months anyway, uh, it could be because, uh, as you say, uh, the mainland have made it uh, uh, easier, well, relaxed visa restrictions on people uh, coming into the country, uh, right. and then and from and from there and from there, that presumably you know they can uh, they can find their way uh, by whatever means uh, into Hong Kong. Absolutely, by especially using uh, the facilities of snakeheads. And again, there's apparently from just anecdotal information, the, the, the average amount paid is, is, is fifty thousand plus mm. for a for a ride for a ride to Hong Kong. Mm. Right. Um, we see more Pakistanis and uh, even people from Sri Lanka, uh, but obviously uh, people from Vietnam uh, still, you know, have the biggest number. Of um, of these illegal entries, um, what 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 is the main reason? Do, do you think behind um, you know this surge, in particular in in Pakistan? I, I see that you know Pakistan is actually very far away from Hong Kong, and um, yeah. even though they they you know they can go to the mainland, they can access mainland. It it, it will take a long time for them to travel across the country. Well, remember, they're not travelling illegally. Um, also, I, I'm not so sure that the statistics that have been quoted in the paper are, are, are like I say, I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I'm saying is they're not up, up to date. Pakistan, Yemen, Bangladesh, uh, India and Vietnam appear to be um, uh, active. Um, the South Asia, I think the South Asia factor uh, in the last couple of months is, 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 is the largest one. But again, it will take a while as people make claims or whatever for this for this to become apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible to cross, travel across the mainland. They've obviously been given some assistance. Remember that if they've entered on a, on a visa, they're not doing anything illegal until such time as they um, e- exit the mainland by, by, um, by whatever means the snakeheads are using, typically speedboats. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, let's ask uh, Chelsea Chung. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, so, what is the reason for uh, for people, uh, you know, I- illegal immigrants trying to make their way uh, to Hong Kong? What's the attraction about this place? Well, uh, as we are a firm um, doing asylum circus and refugees work, so most of our clients come here to seek asylum. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it is true that we have received um, South Asia's clients. Uh, but we also receive uh, information and inquiries from uh, Africa, which is another uh, large uh, country of origin that well, we have been receiving. So uh, I think uh, from our experiences, um, those uh, uh, migrants who came to Hong Kong uh, on an illegal way, uh, this is one of the means that they try to get into a safe place. So uh, in our experiences, uh, there are actually more people who came here uh, on visa, but there are also people who uh, can't find a visa, but they need to flee from imminent danger. So they try the uh, illegal, so-called illegal way to come here to Hong Kong. So those are the most frequent scenarios that we encountered. 
Oh, okay, uh, sure. Um, um, obviously, uh, yeah, there are people uh, who need to, uh, uh, you know, escape from where they are because their their lives are in danger or, or whatever. But um, um, how many of those sort of illegal entries do you think are genuine asylum seekers, and how many of them are, if you like, economic migrants? I wouldn't use the word uh, bogus refugees or asylum seekers as the media usually adopted because uh, in our opinion, uh, seeking asylum or uh, seeking a refugee status, it is a legal process and you have to fulfill the uh, legal international legal threshold in order to succeed your claim. But this is not uh, very easy to understand or to comprehend to many people who are especially fleeing from dangers. So uh, I wouldn't say for those who cannot successfully claim asylums or refugees are fake uh, asylums. They are generally in need of protection. Uh, it's just that they, they can't meet the standards required internationally. So uh, I would say uh, these are uh, people that need most help. They need to know uh, what are the legal standards required, what we'll be facing, what they will be facing in Hong Kong, what are the procedures that they need to go through the immigration uh, department. So yeah, I, I, I think I will frame this question this way. Sorry, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, um, but still, um, I do understand that, um, you know, the process of seeking asylum is a very, very long one. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. um, and yeah. it can, you know, it can last for years. And in the meantime, they are staying in Hong Kong. And some, uh, asylum seekers, uh, um, did get jobs uh, or you know, temporary uh, employment, uh, but uh, obviously uh, illegal employment uh, because they should not be employed. How, how, do you, how, how do you see that? How, how do you see that? How, do you agree that you know, employment restrictions should be more relaxed? Well, uh, from what we see it, from our perspective, as, uh, as well as many like collaborative NGOs, we think this is a question of the insufficiency of support they have in Hong Kong currently. So this is the first thing. And the second thing is that why it takes so long for them to go through the screening process. So turning back to the first question, the uh, insufficiency or inaccuracy of support, uh, we all know, I think uh, recently the media also covered how little uh, subsidies they have uh, in Hong Kong each each month. They don't have cash, they only have uh, the, the food coupons, uh, which they can't use to buy other, any other things. And then uh, they have rent subsidy, but it's always not enough. Yeah. How, how much rent are you paying and how much do you think they can afford? So these are the practical uh, hurdles uh, currently presented to this asylum uh, thinkers and refugee community. And I would say it, they, they don't really have much choices under these uh, very scarce uh, circumstances. And usually they are not alone. They, they may have children with them, they have many uh, months to feed, and they need to take care of their, their, their minor children. So how are they supposed to live uh, here in, in this place? 
So this is the question that I will be reflecting from uh, these figures that you mentioned. And secondly, regarding uh, the long processing time of, of the asylum claims, this is actually very concerning because we have many clients who have been dragged on life in limbo for 10 years or more than 10 years here. Why uh, immigration department, the government cannot implement implement a more comprehensive uh, system at the first place instead of like keeping keep reforming and then um, revising and then everything needs to start again that's mm. uh, I think these are the practical limitations faced by the community right now mm. yeah uh, Steve Vickers um, it is a lengthy process isn't it to uh, to apply for refugee uh, status um, um, and uh, applicants are not supposed to work while the process is going on. So in terms of uh, the people coming from you know, places you mentioned, Pakistan, Yemen, Vietnam, India, what, what, is, what is the appeal? What's the attraction of Hong Kong? Well, I think, uh, I think they think they can get, they're, they're told by the snakeheads and others that they can get to work here, that it's quite easy, and that they can make a claim. There's no way they're going to get away with making a claim uh, on the mainland. So Hong Kong, uh, you can make these refoulement claims. Mm -hmm. But I, I, do, I do have to say that a large number of the people I've seen recently who are being arrested are males uh, of working age. Um, yes, I'm sure there is a small percentage that genuinely uh, do require uh, that do require assistance, but Funded by the Hong Kong taxpayer, lawyers are, are, um, are representing people who are brought here by snakeheads. They're not refugees once you do that. It, it, and it's not a question of uh, whether it was right. It is, in fact, against the law. If you, if you come here on a, on a speedboat from, uh, from southern China, you know, you're breaking the law. You know you're breaking the law. Mm. Um, so I, I'm a little less sympathetic. Um, I, I, and the danger is that we are beginning to see, as I said, outbreaks of um, in Saikong and in particular in um, in Lantau uh, burglaries of people who they're not necessarily desperately violent but uh, this has happened the last uh, the last three months certainly there was a, an outbreak in Moi War and some up in um, in South Lantau more recently and this is these, these are people perhaps trying desperate to get their hands on some some money quick cash crimes and the rest but if we don't nip this in the bud now uh, this is going to be a this is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. The other issue is we don't know what, who these people really are. Uh, there's an element of no passports, no no documentation. Uh, I mean, it doesn't. It, 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 we're living in a dangerous world. It's it's important to know who's um, who's crossing your shores. Right. Yeah. Okay. You you mentioned that um, uh, only a fraction of those uh, would be caught. So um, in the last few months, I guess, you know, there are some who have been uh, successful in entering Hong Kong um, illegally and uh, have probably, you know, through their networks found jobs. Do you think there, there could be a sizable number? Just I, guessing. I think this has escalated in the last few months. So I have no real way of predicting. I need to, I mean, the police may have an idea from cross-border liaison and from tracking uh, boat movements um, and the rest. The danger is, of course, historically, again, all of us who've been in Hong Kong a long time will know that uh, in the last few years, um, South Asians have been used um, as enforcers by triad societies in Hong Kong. Um, rather than do it themselves, they get somebody who doesn't have a job and is stuck here for a long time. So there's been 
various instances of that. So it's not sort of victimless crime from a society's point of view. I'm up for looking after people that need help, uh, that genuinely are refugees. Uh, but we are, I, I, I think we're, we're, we're a bit of a soft touch. I think the solution will come from dialogue with the, with the mainland government as to, um, as to the, the visa applications and which sort of people are coming in and how. Once they've got to, this, the, to, to um, uh, southern Guangdong and on the coastline, it is actually quite easy to, um, to interact with, some, uh, with, with, with snakeheads and the rest. You also mentioned a figure of 50,000 um, uh, that they have to pay uh, to the snakehead. Now, that is a large sum in countries like Bangladesh and Pakistan, etc. Um, that, yeah, that's how, what worries me. That worries me again because, that, you know, this is, this is uh, a sign of, of organized crime at its um, uh, at play. I mean, you can draw parallels with what happens from France to, um, to, to the UK where, you know, we have people in... In both, all of whom pay substantive amounts of money. Uh, for someone to be able to do that, obviously they, they don't normally fall into the, uh, the pure refugee box. So they, they, these are these are people who a lot of males who want to uh, who want to come here. Now I, I'm not saying, like I said earlier, that, that I, I think everybody is a is a is a false claimant, but but they're all they are they've all broken the law if they come here by by. Um, by speedboat via via organised crime syndicates, which is what snakeheads are. Mm. Um, so Chelsea Chung, so so if the rules are changed, if uh, if um, asylum claimants are allowed to work um, legally while their claims are being processed, um, is that not going to lead to a situation where it just makes uh, you know Hong Kong more of a magnet, more of a, a, a of a destination? Absolutely, and that's what we mustn't do. Mm. I think we have to operate within the law, be compassionate, but we've got to be tough also. Um, once this, at the moment, it looks to me as if the, the current, um, the current snakeheads have panicked a few times, dumping people on Poto Island, mm. and uh, Waglan Island as well. Right? Waglan Island and opposite Fanlao Port, mm. uh, Fanlao Fanlao in on, in 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 Lanta, all places which is really difficult to get from. Uh, um, as you well know, so they're not yet fully um, into the groove on this, but I think it needs to be inter inter uh, uh, interfered with soon because if it doesn't, we will have downstream problems like burglaries mm. and robberies. I'm not saying that they're bad people, but if you're desperate um, and you find yourself in a strange environment, dumped in the middle of the night at say 4 a.m., and you, you, you know it, it's not good for anybody. I, I actually witnessed an arrest yesterday morning. I was driving past Chekmun Gap, uh, on, which is the, as you know, the the, um, the road that connects to the to, from from Lantau Island to um, uh, to Tongchong. Yeah. And yeah. the police stopped the taxi, and I literally watched them arrest them on the spot. So again, it was the same thing. The, the people have been waiting in the waiting in the, in the cover overnight, and then when the daylight came out. Um, decided to make a run for it. Uh, Chelsea Chung, what do you think about that? Uh, well, first thing to add is that uh, all of our asylum seekers and refugees claimants, they cannot, under the immigration ordinance, they cannot make an asylum claim unless they already break 
the immigration offense. Mm -hmm. That is specified in the immigration ordinance currently. So only if you are somebody liable to removal can you then raise an asylum claim. So when we always talk about illegal immigrants, who made them illegal? That is the first thing I would add to this discussion. Uh, second, uh, about the permission to work. So uh, I think uh, and many of you already know that the system in Hong Kong right now is that once you have, once your claim is substantiated, they do have the chance to apply for permission to work in Hong Kong, which is of course limited scope and limited uh, 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 eligibility. But there is actually some system in place in Hong Kong uh, as we speak. So if we are talking, if the media and if we are all concerned that um, the asylum thinkers, they, are, uh, they may out of death rate, they may commit some crimes in Hong Kong because of the lack of means, isn't it an option to provide them an opportunity or chance to provide for themselves? Isn't it an option that it can serve both their interests and also the interests of this society. Um, I will also uh, say that um, Immigration Department actually has the power to implement uh, different mechanisms in how to like implement these schemes. We have different schemes for meaning. China's uh, to come to Hong Kong and get visas. We have different schemes for professionals overseas. Why can't we also think of a system that suits the refugee and the vulnerable community, which at the same time can also protect the local labor? I think this government and immigration department are capable to do that. Right, um, um, Chelsea. Uh, do I mean since you are like uh, like an expert in this area? I mean, what 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 are the ways uh, to speed up uh, this process? Uh, for example, I know that there are now detention centres uh, operated either by the Immigration Department or the Correctional Services Department, and these are um, illegal workers in Hong Kong. They got caught, um, so they served their sentence, and they are waiting to be sent back. And sometimes they have to wait for months and even years before they're sent back. Uh, so uh, this is actually um, not a very good situation. What, what's your take on that, Chelsea? Oh, uh, one thing to like supplement on your observation is that not all the people in t detention are, uh, for example, as you said, uh, work illegally. Uh, hence, they were sentenced and, and sent back to detention center. This is not. We have many clients at the first instance of launching a asylum claim at the immigration department. They are already detained. So then, apart from the immigration offense, like illegal entry, illegal remaining, that uh, the offenses they have to break, I would say, in order to claim asylum, they haven't committed other crimes. So for those people, they can be like subject into immigration detention. Yes. Uh, and as for how can advertise the process, uh, well, we will need to distinguish from um, people who have a active asylum claim and those who 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 don't. 
so for those who have an active asylum claim, depending on the stages uh, of their screening process, we will know uh, which, uh, which stage to, to advertise. For example, uh, usually at the second tier of the screening, that is the Torture Claims Appeal Board, uh, we are always waiting uh, many years for a decision, even after the hearing. So is there any way that the, the, the board can expedite their decisions after like hearing all the evidence? This, is, this can be one way. And for those who uh, don't have any active uh, asylum claims, uh, they, uh, if, only if they have, uh, they have exhausted their rights to appeal at the, uh, at the legal proceedings, if they are generally cannot establish their case in Hong Kong, then uh, uh, closer uh, uh, collaboration with the government and the, the person's country of origin should be in place so that uh, they can arrange for flight tickets and uh, emergency travel documents for them to uh, be, be uh, removed. So these are, are the two like different scenarios. Okay. okay. Um, uh, Steve uh, Vickers, can I just ask you uh, quickly, because we're coming up to 9.30. Uh, um, uh, you said earlier that we, we need to nip this in the bud in terms of the numbers uh, arriving illegally. I mean, w what can be done about it? Well, it, it, there's, there's a national level, which is obviously immigration department to immigration department from the PRC and... Um, and the affected or and the country's concerned so many many of them are are allied with or very close have close relations to the mainland so Pakistan Bangladesh and others have quite strong so that that's one at the visa point at the at the legal visa point we can probably do something about that the other is tracking police cooperation between Hong Kong and um, and southern China uh, and and trying to nip this in the bud because if this gets out of control and it becomes a, um, uh, a way of life regularly, we'll have a lot more. It will help. Our, it will affect our crime statistics in terms of real crime. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you both uh, very much uh, for joining us uh, for this uh, first half of the programme this morning. That was uh, Steve Vickers, CEO of Steve Vickers and Associates, uh, a specialist political and corporate risk consultancy. And thanks very much to Chelsea Chung, an associate and a public interest solicitor at the law firm Daily & Associates, uh, who specialises in immigration law. We're going to take a, a short break for a new summary. We'll be back in about three minutes. A quick look at the weather first. Uh, mainly cloudy with one or two light uh, rain patches. Uh, the outlook is for more cloudy and windier weather in the next couple of days, uh, brighter in the latter part of this week. But temperatures will fall progressively early next week. It's currently 26 degrees. Humidity, 67%. And here's Todd Harding with the news. Bosses from some of the world's top financial institutions have gathered at the Four Seasons Hotel for the SAR's second Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit. They'll join two days of discussions on issues ranging from the role of technology to the way forward for China's economy. Residents of Choi Hong Estate have given a mixed reaction to the news that the area is in line for redevelopment. Sources said yesterday that the Housing Authority planned to overhaul the 60-year-old complex, which is known for its bright rainbow colours and open spaces. And the UN Secretary-General has described Gaza as a graveyard for children as he launched an appeal for more than a billion dollars in aid for Palestinian civilians. Mr Guterres renewed his call for a humanitarian ceasefire, which both Israel and Hamas have rejected. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. 
I'm Wise Mike, the smoke-free ambassador. I have a vision that one day no one smokes anymore. Gone are the days of people smoking near rubbish bins and pedestrians in the streets exposed to second-hand smoke containing cancer-causing substances. We can make that vision happen. Call 1833183 to quit smoking now. Let's move towards a tobacco-free Hong Kong. People who are patriotic and have an affection for Hong Kong and who are capable and aspire to serve can make our community better. The 2023 District Council Ordinary Election is on December 10th. Remember to bring your identity card and vote for your preferred candidate. Let's build a nice and harmonious community together. Cast your vote at DC Election for a better community. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And we're going to uh, continue our discussion about um, illegal immigration uh, um, and a recent trend of uh, uh, fairly large numbers of people arriving uh, in the territory, uh, particularly from uh, South uh, Asia. Um, we're joined uh, now on the line by uh, Lynette Nam, who's Executive Director of the Justice Centre Hong Kong. That's uh, an NGO which works with uh, refugees and asylum seekers. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. And hello, Ada. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, um, as ever with this uh, issue, um, um, you have... Uh, uh, refugees, asylum seekers who are looking for a safe place. Um, also, uh, the way the world works is that there are people on the move look, basically looking for a, a better life. Um, um, why? Uh, let, let me ask you what the question that we put to our two guests before 9.30 as well. Um, why Hong Kong? Why, why are people wanting to come here? Well, I think that question itself starts with a presumption. It starts with a presumption that people choose to come here and people mm. actually have a choice. Justice Centre have been doing what we've been doing since 2007. We've been offering legal and social support to refugees, asylum seekers, but also victims of trafficking and other migrants in situations of vulnerability. And everyone who walks through our door, we seek to understand the circumstances of their displacement so that we can help them understand the legal options. And what I can tell you, and having worked as a legal officer myself, what I can tell you is that no one, no one pays a stranger enormous sums often their entire income to leave everything behind, friends, family, what they know, and really just on the back of an unsecured promise and to be ferried across the world. No one actually does that unless something is seriously wrong. And often what that means is that they and their families are probably not safe in their home country. They may be experiencing threats and violence because of conflicts in their region, or they may be directly targeted. So many of the countries that we're talking about, you know, they may be targeted because they belong to a minority ethnic group or minority religious group. They may be targeted because they have breached some gender norm, um, for example, not marrying the person given to them, chosen for them by their family, or because of their sexual orientation in places where that is, um, they can't freely exhibit that. And so they may have serious protection needs or or they may have signed up to a false promise. You know, we know. And this last um, reporting of people arriving in Hong Kong, people are saying and reporting that there have been promises of employment. But a lot of the time people are being promised things that simply do not exist. They are coming based on 
a lie or a deception only to find themselves possibly in debt to people who have exploited them or perhaps they're coerced in this situation. And really, we should be thinking about, you know, are these people victims of trafficking? And I use the word all when I describe that these users are victims of trafficking, but these categories are actually not mutually exclusive. Asylum seekers and refugees are often exposed to the risk of trafficking along the migration route. And and those who are trafficking or, or those who are actually trafficked may then be at risk of reprisals on return and threats and re-trafficking as well. So they may themselves have protection needs as well. So we need to be very, very careful when we presume that people have a choice. One more point I want to make about that is, I mean... We are presuming that people are transported here and have exercised the real choice. But what we often think about is people don't often have the language ability or possibly even the technology to engage and research and think about where they should go. Very often they're fleeing situations of absolute desperation, very often danger. And the migration routes and sometimes even the destination are designed by the recruiters, the agents, the smugglers, the traffickers, whoever are the ones who are transporting them, carrying them along the journey. I mean, sometimes, and I'm speaking from the people I've spoken to in our centre, you know, we're talking about people who may not have ever left their home village before. And I remember when I first started as a legal officer at Justice Centre, speaking to a boy who was 16 years old, and he arrived in a boat, arrived in Hong Kong, was dropped off at um, eventually Kowloon Mosque. His mother had paid for him to be taken to Europe. And when he came to us, he thought he was actually in Europe. He had no idea where he was. So I think the questions that we need to ask are that, you know, why are people in situations of such desperation and danger that they have to make these journeys and find themselves in situations where, you know, they, they, they are not actually receiving any protection or means to actually find a better life? Yes. Um, Lynette, um, most of the time, these people who arrive in Hong Kong, they, they would have paid uh, an enormous sum to, mm. to, to get here. Now, um, how, how do they usually do that? Because it sounds mm. like a lot. Uh, and and they, it mu- must have taken them uh, some time to, uh, to, to have the savings. Or do they Absolutely. borrow money? Or what, what, what actually do they do? Yeah, so I can only generalise in this situation. Yes. And, you know, it is, Hannah, so it's very important to us that people who have experienced this are able to speak for themselves. And I often feel awkward having to speak for people because they have the intimacy of the challenges they've gone through. They can speak with that authenticity. So I can speak to what people have told me and what I've observed. And sometimes, you know, the boy I was telling you about, the 16-year-old, his mother sold everything they owned so him and his brothers could travel and find safety. And two of his brothers, as far as his mother knew, and his elder brothers, died along the migration route to Europe. Um, and, you know, his mother sold what else was left. You know, so that's one particular case. But we often hear that people also um, get into debt, and that becomes... Um, uh, a risk in itself for them because they then are at risk of being exploited in the labour market around Asia or around the world where they have no choice but to work and repay the debt, often in situations of danger, exploitation, and sometimes in situations where it is illegal but they actually have no choice. 
Right. Um, now, you, you would have thought that, um, you know, uh, we are now full of information, in fact, mm. too much information on the Internet. And I guess for these um, um, people, um, the refugees who arrive in Hong Kong, they, mm. they don't actually um, get connected um, to the real world. Is, is that it? Mm. And so that they, they have the wrong uh, concept of um, uh, paying somebody and uh, getting them to a better life. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we are living in a society within Hong Kong that's inundated with information. And, you know, the people we are surrounded by, we are in a bubble of privilege. People here are educated. They can decide where to go next. They can find what is the best option for themselves, for their family, to exercise that agency. Many people who come from countries who that don't have the means um, or, you know, it is literally just a you know, situation of desperation, don't either have the time or the ability or sometimes the access to technology to actually do a thorough research on where they're going. A lot of the time it's just about paying the person in your village who says they can get you somewhere and get you out. Right? So it's... So I, yes, so I am agreeing with you in that people often don't have the full freedom of information. And I think one of the most important things, and, you know, Chelsea mentioned their work in supporting people with their legal claims. You know, one thing we believe in very strongly at Justice Centre is every person at the first possible opportunity should be told what their legal options are, should be given the full suite of information so they can make informed choices. And when we do that, we find that a lot of people actually decide to leave Hong Kong. They've come here on false promises and don't understand what submitting a non-reformant claim actually means. Right? So when people know that they may be detained within immigration detention when they're subject to removal, that they will be here for a very long time, they're not allowed to work, people don't choose to stay unless they have to. Okay, a comment here from a listener TC says uh, uh, the biggest issue I have with this uh, illegal immigration ecosystem, if I can call it that, is that uh, snakeheads who transported them to Hong Kong or anywhere else don't work for free. By granting them asylum, it's indirectly helping the business model of snakeheads. Um, Lynette Nam, I mean, if, if somebody from um, Pakistan or Bangladesh or wherever pays 50000 Hong Kong dollars uh, to get here. I mean, do, do they have any other alternative, any other option than to uh, buy, you know, to use the uh, illegal means offered by the, um, you know, people smugglers and their speedboats? Mm, I think one thing to point out, and Chelsea did a very good job of it, uh, talking about this, is that there are no legal ways of coming to Hong Kong if you are coming, if you need to seek protection. There's no legal route. You know, you can arrive on a visa. And so that may be a visit visa or some other visa. And, you know, if you do that, you have to actually declare on entry that you intend to leave, right? Mm. So that in <clears throat> itself is making a false representation, right? So you, there's no legal way. And then once you come in on a visa, and if you, while that visa is valid, approach immigration authority to say, I am here to seek asylum, I can't return because I'll be in danger, you, they will say, well, you can't do that right now. You have to wait for your visa actually expires and you overstay. So everyone who is seeking asylum in Hong Kong have had to enter illegally or have overstayed their visa and is thus considered illegal under the law. So there is no legal route. And frankly, you know, people... This isn't under, you know, what people consider. I, I think I may possibly overemphasize this point, but people simply say, I need to leave, and this is the means to get out of my situation. Right. Um, uh, the chances of um, getting asylum is low, 
as far as I understand. Mm. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, so what what are the options uh, for these uh, people now stuck in Hong Kong? Mm. Uh, I I understand that the immigration department would like to send them back, but it depends mm. whether their originating country would like to take them. Now, if they feel threatened in their own country and feel that something is terribly wrong, then the last thing they want to do is to get back to their homes. Mm-hmm. What what yeah. what what do they usually do? I mean, that's a really hard question because not just Hong Kong, but the global community is grappling with this. Mm. We have we're seeing a world where we're experiencing really first-hand effects of overpopulation, you know, very significant changes to um, the climate as well as protection needs we're seeing. And across the world, the pathways for people in these situations to seek a new life, a life that is safe, just don't exist in the numbers that we need, right? So we're talking about complementary pathways for people to exercise some type of agency, not just through seeking asylum. You know, we're talking about people, some of them who are very educated, some of them who, and I'm not now talking globally, not just what we're seeing in terms of survivors in Hong Kong, but, you know, people who are seeking protection, some of them have skills or have a motivation to work in, you know, labor positions. You know, how do we create legal pathways so that people can actually legally move and that government have control over the populations and the people within their city. So, you know, how can we focus our energy on ensuring that people don't have to take risks, don't have to go through the undignified path of, you know, being for a long time a non-citizen in a territory and actually be able to find a new life for a family just like possibly I can if I decide to say, you know, move to Germany because I think there's better opportunities. You know, there may be legal routes if we just see these people as people who come with skills and come with motivation and are just people, you know. So I, I think, you know, I, there's a change of perception that is required. And I see Hong Kong as a place for that. You know, I've always believed in Hong Kong as a compassionate society. In my line of work, every time I speak to someone and tell them what I do, the thing that their first response is, how can we help? How can we do something? And we are in a compassionate place, and the response needs to come first in compassion before politics. Mm. Uh, We've seen a number of uh, incidents in the past few weeks as well of of, uh, um, uh, asylum seekers, migrants, whatever you want to call them, being Mm. abandoned on uh, mm. very remote islands like Po Toi, Wagland Island, uh, the southwest corner of, of Lantau Island. Um, um, mm. what, 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 what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I, I would say, I think Steve mentioned his point, and I'm not surprised, and this is not a new phenomenon at all. And we're talking about increases in surges, but actually, if we look at the numbers and the data, and if we're talking about people who are non-ethnic Chinese within that number, we're looking at 604 people this year so far. And then if we compare this actually to the annual average taking the six years pre-pandemic, that's 214 to, um, uh, to 2014 to 2019, the annual average then was 1,735. So the number has actually not um, reached pre-pandemic levels yet at all. Um, and I would say that I am, once again, not surprised, but concerned. I'm concerned that we are mistaking victims as people who are committing crimes to be here. You know, they have been transported here. No one asked to be stranded on a deserted island. Right? So I'm concerned that the victims themselves may be criminalised, may be subjected to immigration right. and criminal offences when it is actually you know, not 
um, a crime that they've committed. So, so very quickly, there are hundreds of people coming in every year. So mm. um, how many people could actually stay in Hong Kong and um, get the sort of legal status that they have wished for? Well, currently, the people who ha- do um, are successful within the process represent a very small percentage, around 1% of the people who actually arrive. But then there are organisations um, that work to help people access private sponsorship to countries um, who will take them as well, um, recognising that a lot of people do have protection needs, but Hong Kong are not able to grant them protection here. Okay, Lynette Nam, Executive Director of the Justice Centre Hong Kong. Uh, thanks very much for speaking to us on this morning's programme. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, I'm Michael Wong, the Deputy Financial Secretary. For the past 95 years, our THK has shared a common journey with Hong Kong people. Going forward, I trust that our THK will continue to provide Hong Kong with more programs that are rich in content and that can move our hearts. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last part uh, of this morning's programme, uh, we're turning our attention to that uh, serious uh, earthquake in Nepal, which uh, happened uh, a few days ago. And we're going to hear more about uh, what's going on, uh, uh, the relief uh, efforts uh, and so on. We're now joined uh, on the line by Rita Gurung, uh, chairperson of the Hong Kong Nepalese Federation and uh, Nepal Club Hong Kong. Uh, good morning to you. Hello. Uh, Rita Goran, good morning, and thank you very much uh, for joining us. Um, uh, hello, thank you, thank you. Good morning, Mr. Jim. Yeah, good, good morning. And I'm here with, uh, with our uh, guest presenter this morning, who's uh, Ada Wong. So um, could you uh, tell us now, I understand that uh, the, the focus now is on uh, providing uh, aid and assistance for the survivors. What's the latest situation, do you know, in the earthquake area? Uh uh, the uh, the latest the latest earthquake occurred in the west uh, northwestern region of the Nepal, especially in the Jajarpur and the Rukum district, on November third at the eleven forty seven Nepal time. The epicenter is Jajarpur actually, and the. Uh, at the, there is the earthquake um, uh, the serious magnitude me- uh, measuring 6.4 on rectal scale. It resulted in the loss of the over 150, 150 lives and the left more than the 119 uh, individually injured. Uh, many homes, schools uh, were destroyed, leaving affected communities in the state of the state and the urgent need of the rescue, relief and the rehabilitation. Like you say, uh, the earthquake occurred uh, just before midnight uh, last Friday, yes, which probably yes, made it midnight. worse because people would have been yeah. at, people would have been at home yeah. in bed and yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I understand that uh, lots of uh, houses uh, uh, are now in ruins. Um, as far as you know, uh, you know, are people still staying outdoors uh, during the night because um, the weather is getting cold? Uh, what you, you know? What what is the situation there? Are people being transported to other places, other uh, cities, villages where they can have shelter? 
yes, uh, there is the still the people had the uh, rescue is the continue, and the Nepal government and the other uh, NGOs and the other local people also have them, and the people also they are the still have the they under the sky they are because the, this is the very remote place and the, there is the all transportations all roads are the blocked uh, due to the earthquake so that the helicopter and the provide the rescues and the every uh, food and the urgent uh, rescue relief materials so that they very difficult to have the provide the rescue materials there and so still the um, the they are the organizing for the relief matter and the rescue, so the rescue is the continue as well. Yeah, and the, yeah. there is the uh, Nepal army and the other NGOs and the government also trying to the make the temporary shelters there, and they they are still continue, and that they are some are the uh, some are they uh, change um, made the shelters the uh, they uh, other uh, safe place and the, they move this other safe place nearby. Yes. So um, uh, we we do have uh, quite a big uh, Nepalese uh, community in Hong Kong. Uh, do you know anybody uh, living in Hong Kong who might have um, relatives and friends uh, living in that area, which is at the epicenter of the earthquake? Uh, yes, uh, uh, thank God. We are thanking to the God. Within the age for our information, no member of the Nepalese community in the Hong Kong have been the impact impacted by the earthquake. Uh, the earthquake mostly affected the local resident in the Jajapur and the Rukum uh, district of the Nepal. Mm. And what about the uh, relief effort? Has the has the Hong Kong Nepalese Federation uh, been able to uh, contribute? Hello, hello. Uh, the Hong Kong Nepalese Federation, along with the, uh, our uh, member organization, is jointly and actively involved in the fundraising activity right. now. Right. Uh, uh, we have the, instead the Health Nepal Earthquake um, Victim Relief Campaign uh, to fundraise, to write the. Um, and the two fundraise and they help those in the need during the challenging time and they encourage to the participants in this fundraising campaign to provide the most needed assistance to the earthquake victims. And the already the uh, connected uh, to the other NGOs uh, who are actively involved in the Nepal and the, we are directly connected to the them and they provide the, some rescue material already in the um, affected area. Mm. So, so you're you're appealing for donations from among your members and, yes, and among yes. the public. Already, already, I will provide the donation and the the first steps of the donation, and the, after that, um, already provide the rescue material in the affected area, and the date is to be already started to distribute. Yeah, right. and the, now the fundraising campaign is still continue here. Right. Uh, we, we can talk a bit more about that. But uh, as far as you know, uh, you know, Nepal is uh, actually um, not, um, you know, not the country with uh, many earthquakes. Am I correct? Uh, because before you... Yes, yeah. yes. Before the, in the 2000, uh, no, actually, no, not. Hello. Hello. Hello, Rita Gurung. Yes. So we lost you for a moment. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, you were talking about before uh, 
Oh, before yeah, 2015, there is a um, big earthquake happened in the Nepal and the, the disaster happened at that time. And after the eight years later, here is the nineteen. Uh, and now on on the third of the November, happening with this earthquake. That um, yes, that that um, that earthquake in 2015. Uh, I think about 9,000 people lost their lives uh, at yes, that time. Yes, but it, yes. has, has anything been anything been learned uh, from that event in terms of uh, you know building yeah. construction and uh, anything like that? Uh, Rita, I understand that um, um, for this earthquake, the epicenter is at a remote area. So I oh, guess, um, so uh, you know, there are village houses, and they they could be easily destroyed um, yes. do, during the earthquake. Um, do you know whether Nepal has considered a different um, ways um, to to build houses uh, so that um, it is uh, you know more resilient against earthquakes? Actually, uh, Nepal is a mountain country, actually, and the not, um, uh, the mostly there is the not, um, like this kind of disaster aspect happening, uh, usually. Uh, and, uh, other, other hand, uh, this epicenter is the Jajar Court, and this is the remote village in the western Nepal of the, uh, the Karnali provision, actually. And uh, there is the, uh, this, uh, epicenter happening, there is the villages are the made by the, uh, mud and the stone like that, so that uh, happening this uh, this kind of the earthquake um, uh, with the just a 6.4 is really scale the destroys the happening this kind of the uh, even affected the mostly like that. Mm. And, and in terms of the the funds that you're raising, that your federation uh, is raising through the donations and so on, um, what is that going to be? What what kind of uh, relief is that going to be used for? Uh, actually, that is the remote place, and so we cannot uh, provide the from here to Hong Kong from, from there the rescue material. So we think about that, and we decided to provide the financial support, and the, so that we uh, started to the finance, uh, um, uh, 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 fundraising. Uh, just like and so we support them to the finance building uh, and we connect it to the lo local NGOs and the local government and so that uh, where it, it for the need of the people uh, victims and uh, they provide uh, like that they provide the daily materials and they help to the uh, uh, rehabilitation as well so, so we are just mm -hmm. uh, here we are going to support the finance building mm -hmm. Right. Is there a telephone number or a, or a way to contact you uh, if they are? Uh, we have very charitable people in Hong Kong, you know, who would like to support. Uh, yes. Uh, for those looking to contribute, there are the multiple avenues to extend the helping hands, and um, so we can write the check payable to the Hong Kong Nepalese Federation. They can provide the by check to name, write down the Hong Kong Nepalese Federation, uh, make a bank transfer, the deposit. And we have the, uh, actually Hong Kong Nepalese Federation is a charitable organization that is under the ADS section of the revenue so that uh, they can directly 
deposit the ch- uh, check on, on Hong Kong Native Federation name and the, our HSBC account number is the 543 210256 uh, like that and uh, they can provide the um, by donate by the cash and they can from our Hong Kong Nepalese Federation uh, in the Jordan. We have the office here uh, and they can directly, they can provide the cash also and we accepted that one and we pr- provide the uh, the more than um, 100 rupees or 100 um, dollars or the more than the 100 dozen. We provide the receipt for them the uh, tax reduction, yeah. Okay, okay. Deduction. good, good. Yeah. Well, I hope the uh, fundraising goes well. Thanks yeah. very much and for, thank you for speaking to us on the programme this morning. Yeah. yeah, sorry, we have to, so, I'm, I'm sorry, Rita Gorong, we have to say thank you and uh, we have to say goodbye for now because we're coming to the end of the programme, we're coming up to 10 o'clock. Thanks to our listeners, uh, thanks to you, Ada. Thank you, Jim. And stay with us, we've got news summary coming up, followed by Brunch with Noreen.